You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, today's one of those days where I end up deleting things because, you know, I go down a path I probably shouldn't go down. It's like, you know what? I better just delete that. So uh, for those of you that love the angry version of me, sorry, not today. But I do need to pick up the pace because I just lost and wasted a lot of my own time. But why don't we start with this? Because um, JJ sent it to me, and it's the first thing that came up, and it's on my mind. And we haven't really talked about it, I guess, not in great detail, or at least haven't really taken it very seriously. But as was pointed out by JJ, there is now a flurry of we're not going to sign Devante sentiment on Twitter. Now, I knew that that was an option. I just didn't know that anybody really took that option very seriously. My current stance as I've said, is fairly straightforward. The Packers are not going to let go of the best wide receiver in football. That's a fairly simplistic stance, but again, I haven't really gone in depth yet. We did let go of the best center in football, so it's not that it's just because they're the best in football. And, And again, I am shocked that they let go of Corey Lindsley. I didn't think that they would do that. I thought letting go of Aaron Jones was the simpler option, and keeping center Corey Lindsley would be the the more correct way to go, but they disagreed and they let him walk. Now, they have been a little bit more iffy on offensive linemen, even very good offensive linemen, David Bakhtiari being the exception. We've let very good offensive linemen go um, once they hit their 30s. Now, Corey Lindsley's 29, but, you know, I don't know. And you do have to recognize, not only did they let go of the best center in football, but we are in uncharted territory. The Packers historically would never let a guy like Devontae Adams go. I don't think historically they would have let Corey Lindsley go either. I don't really think that that one's iffy because it's the second contract. It's an older offensive lineman, but we're talking about 29 years old and at the peak of his career. I think historically, as in Ted Thompson five years ago, gives him a contract. But because the Packers went all in, like the fans wanted, and went nuts in free agency, and now we have no money, it's going to make a lot of people mad that I phrased it that way, but that is the way I'm going to phrase it. And I'm not saying I'm mad, I just, I want to say it that way because some people are mad. They want to say we still haven't gone all in yet, you know, and we still need to, but it's like, no, we can't because we did and now we're broke. Anyways, now that we have no money, I think Corey Lindsay ended up being a casualty. So the question then is, what about Devontae Adams? Now, Devontae Adams signing is actually going to help us this year. I think the biggest concern is that it's going to massively hurt us next year because he's not, he's a free agent next year, which means he's not on the books. And Ken Ingles has been staring because that's all he does is Packers contract stuff. I shouldn't say that's all he does. I'm saying that that's his thing. He's been staring at 2022 with the biggest doom and gloom just in in horror. And I, I haven't really looked at it. I just, I feel him on Twitter just convulsing and I don't even want to look at it. But as a result of his panic, he's saying that he's like, he, his exact words is he's 50-50 on Devontae coming back. To elaborate, he said, let's see what happens in the draft. And I, I think If I were to give any amount of credence to this, it would have to be, let's see what happens in the draft. Because just like I said with Aaron Rodgers, which a lot of people get upset about, and I'm kind of being the, like, 
pro-Rodgers guy with Devontae saying there's no way when I'm not really maybe taking seriously enough the contract conundrum. If they did draft, let's just say, let's rewind things and say last year we had drafted Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson was the second best wide receiver in football behind Devontae. Would I take the claims a little bit more seriously? Yes, I would. Now, of course, it's nice to have Devontae and Justin Jefferson. It's also nice to take about $20 million off the books in 2022 because that's about what the guy's going to be wanting. Probably more than $20 million a year. So what, what is it going to be in year two, assuming we sign him this year and take a massive pay cut or extend him this year, whatever you want to call it? Because this is going to be the big pay cut year. So the next year, the, the cap goes. So, okay, so if it's $22 million per year, what, 18? Just Just guessing numbers. That hurts, man. That hurts. So like the Aaron Rodgers thing, I'll say it's possible that they want to give themselves as much leeway as possible. Now, the biggest, the biggest tip-off for this is going to be whether they sign him before the season starts. Because again, the reason I'm not even panicked is because that's when everybody gets their contract. It hasn't really even dawned on me. I thought maybe they would want to get it done so they could sign some free agents. But they didn't do that. And again, similar to Aaron Rodgers, like why? Why didn't you do that? Maybe because they want to see on the off chance that we draft, uh, you know, a, a Rashad Bateman or somebody, and he ends up being a complete freak. He's Devontae Adams, you know, 2.0, which is silly. I don't mean to say improvement. I just mean like the second in line. It suddenly becomes an option. And so for me, that's going to be the big tip off. If we go into the season and Devontae does not get an extension, it's the exact same situation that I think we're in with Aaron Rodgers, where on one hand, you look at it and say, of course, we don't want to cut the guy or trade the guy. He's one of the best in football. And on the other hand, to say, we got to do something. We, we, we got to do And it's not like little stuff. Like, well, why don't we just get rid of like Lazard or something? Because he's not making any money. <laughs> we have to get rid of like everybody else and not even field a football team. Just to put things into perspective. And again, sometimes there are things we just can't necessarily see but just to give you an idea ken did um just did something kind of random just to give us an idea so right now he's saying we're almost 60 million dollars in the hole that's pretty much what the saints were um this past year when everything just went com- fell completely apart right they were 60 million dollars in the hole they they got there but it, it was kind of brutal if we and this is just an if he's not saying we're going to or we should but just to show you how dire things are if we trade aaron Rodgers and cut Preston Lowry and Mercedes Lewis, and restructure Kenny Clark and Aaron Jones, and extend Darius Smith and Jair Alexander, we'd have $12 million in the bank. That does not include even touching our own guys, including Devontae Adams, or MVS, or Lazard, or Funches, or Equinemius, or Sullivan, or King, or Tunyon, or Lucas Patrick, or Chris Barnes, or Lancaster, or J.K. Scott. None of those guys are on our team anymore. So even if we trade Rodgers, we're still... (laughs) in a lot of trouble. And if we don't, well, then we got to add the $22.68 million back on and we're still massively in the hole, which means we're cutting a bunch of other people. Now, the other option, like I said, is we could just push a ton of that money into next year. But, you know, we're not going to save $22 million. Now, to be completely honest, um, I think before we got rid of Devontae, we would get rid of a guy like Zadarius. And again, we're, we're, we're leaving our options open. And this is where, again, it kind of makes sense to not extend Devontae now. Well, I guess, I guess kind of for two reasons. Number one, we're leaving our options open. If Devontae has some devastating injury or just completely falls off or whatever, I don't know how bad it could be. 
but then it kind of answers your question for you. Because if you're if you're Russ Ball and Brian Gutekunst, you're kind of sitting back just hoping somebody gives you an answer. Something needs to give. Otherwise, we're just making a, a, a real tough decision. But at the same time, when you trade that person away, you're going to get some massive conversation. If, if Zadarius and, and Rodgers and Devontae and everybody just has dominant years, and we can't pay everybody, we're just trading everybody away. And we're getting some giant compensation for it. But you're kind of hoping, right? Um, you know, as much as, as you could say, well, let's see what happens in the draft for at wide receiver, you could just as easily say, let's see what happens in the draft at edge, which if, if all we care about right now is how in the world are we going to survive 2022, I think it would make much more sense to draft an edge rusher and have Rashawn and that guy take over for Zadarius and Preston. Now, he mentions a restructuring of um, Zadarius's contract, saving us $8.63 million. Well, if we cut Zadarius, we save $15.75 million, almost double that. And again, I think Devontae, you know, a lot of people look at Devontae and Zadarius similarly as, as two guys at the top of their game, and I just don't think that's true with Zadarius. Zadarius was a mediocre player when we picked him up. That first year here, he was the best pass rusher in football, and then the next year, he was good. And I think some of the stats kind of inflated the idea that he stayed the same. And I've, I've said it before, he got snubbed for the Pro Bowl that, um, that first year, and I think he got in when he maybe shouldn't have the next year. Not supposed to say that as a Packer fan, but I think it more or less made up for 2019. But I don't know that he necessarily deserved to be in there. I'm not going to fight him on it. But if you look at the full body of his work, uh, somebody had asked me, "Would you rather have Zadarius Smith or Daniil Hunter?" You know, going into this season, if you could just switch places. Now, if you if you leave it as it is, in other words, don't put any caveats in. Daniil Hunter is kind of the easier option um, because he's a lot younger. But if you look at Daniil Hunter, you got a guy whose grades have been 70, 77, 78, 78, and 89. So yeah, maybe that was a breakout and he's going to regress again. Okay, but fine, but it's been consistently good and going up every single year. Zadarius was 58, 54, 60, 69, 90, and 76. Now, 76 is still good, but again, Daniil Hunter has had 76s basically since his sophomore year, and his rookie year was a 70. So you've had consistently good play since basically forever. Now, 2019, again, I still think is somewhat of a fluke. I don't know that he repeats a 90 overall, but you get a consistent player. His first three years in Baltimore, he was kind of just bad. He had his first good year in 2018, but he was a 70 overall. And then if you look at this past year, even though he graded out pretty well, his grade was, he had 59 pressures on 612 attempts. Now, again, a lot of that probably has to do with double teams, which is why they really need to work on getting him freed up so we can see what we got in Zadarius. But, um, <sighs> You know, even still, again, that 90 year was kind of a fluke and he went right back down into the 70s, which is kind of only the second year he's even been in the 70s, technically first. In 2018, it was a 69.6. It's going to round it for him, but if we're going to be literal about it, I mean, his pressures were 17, 26, 40, 61, 105, and 59. Now, but again, nobody looks at any of those numbers. They look at sacks. 2018, 10 sacks. 2019, 18 sacks. 2020, 14 sacks. He's a machine. And that's great. I'll take sacks, but it's it's a little more than that. And so he's 28 years old. He's going to be 29 this year. If he kind of continues moving in this direction, I don't know that it's obvious considering considering the situation we're in. Again, given a different situation, it wouldn't even be a question. Although that's not even true because we're talking about him making almost 30 million dollars a year. 28 million dollars against the cap is stupid. 
And the reason it's stupid is because we started getting stupid to save our cap this year. And eventually you keep pushing it and you keep pushing it and you keep pushing it and you keep pushing it. And it just means it keeps getting bigger every year. This deficit that you have to figure out how to fix. And the only way you're going to end up fixing it is by cutting a bunch of people. And there's going to be a ton of dead money left on that, which means even after you cut all these guys just to get back into the black, you don't have nearly as much money as you should because you're just taking a ton of dead money in. Now, the next year, 2023, we're kind of starting over, right? Like, okay, we're through it now. All that dead money's gone. All the, the weight of those heavy contracts are gone. And we need to start doing things smart. The question is, are we going to be doing that with Zadarius or Rogers or Devante or who? I don't know who. And 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 again, I don't know that the Packers necessarily know. And 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 I'm very... Devontae is not high on my list of guys that are going to be going bye-bye. They just aren't. But again, it's it's, it's a halfway option. We'll see what happens in the draft. But I, 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 think, I still think there's a good chance that they're not even going to see what they have in this new player. Because I think Devontae might get his contract um, before the year uh, starts officially. I mean, the regular season. Now, the other point that I didn't make yet, I said one of two points earlier, the second reason that it would be beneficial to just wait is that the first year is usually the lightest year of the contract. If you wait, instead of extending him now and making the lightest year now, you know, as, in other words, lowering his cap hit now, but then making it a bigger number next year, you sign him next year and take the smaller amount, you know, in 2022, because we're desperately going to need that. I think the risk there is that you're kind of playing with fire with him being pressed up against free agency. If you sign him prior to the season, there's a little bit of security there. Players don't ever know what's going to happen in the season. You could bust up your leg, whatever. Your value goes down. You don't have as good of a year. You want to make that money coming off being the best wide receiver in football. So more than likely, if you offer him a reasonable offer, he'll take it. Now, reasonable is going to be unreasonable because he deserves unreasonable money. But if you offer it to him, he'll probably take it. If you wait and you start trying to kind of nickel and dime them a little bit. Like, look, it's a good offer. It's maybe not exactly what you're worth, but come on, man. We're, we're flat broke here. And he came through that season, and he did really, really well. And he's got a bunch of teams that are just kind of maybe not exactly tampering, but they're hinting, you know, and the media's out there uh, letting him know for sure, hey, man, if you go to hit the market, you're going to be just making buku bucks. There's just risk inherent in that. So I don't know. Again, we're in uncharted territory. I'm not just going to completely swat it out of the air. I do think we're going to be signing Devontae, but I also recognize that things are going to look different soon. They, when, when you get to the point of being $60 million in the hole, things get a little iffy. If you just look at, at New Orleans here, um, you've got Trey Hendrickson. They lost to Cincinnati. Janoris Jenkins, they lost to Tennessee. Sheldon Rankins went to the Jets. Justin Hardy went to the Jets. Emmanuel Sanders went to Buffalo. Jared Cook is now with the Chargers. Uh, they did re-sign P.J. Williams. Alex Anzalone went to Detroit. Josh Hill went to Detroit. Michael Burton went to Kansas City. Um, and then they've got Quan Alexander, who they who is still a free agent. Nick Easton, Thomas Morstead, Craig Robertson, Johnson Batamosi, uh, Jameis Winston, G DJ Swearinger, James Hurst, Ken Crawley, Benny Fowler, Will Clapp, Cole Wick, Jason Lynn, Ben Lan. Vanderland, not Van Lannan, that's a different guy. Lil Jordan Humphrey, which is still the funniest name ever, and uh, Cameron Tom, who were saints that have not been re-signed. What a crazy amount of free agents that is. But that is an unbelievably massive list. And, and of the guys that actually got re-signed, very few. And they actually picked up Tano Passanio from Kansas City. So they did pick somebody up for $4 bucks, And a couple others, Nick Vanette and Alex Arma, small, small time 
Well, Vanette is eight million. Come on now. Is that three years, eight million like in total or eight million a year? It's gotta be. It's it's in it's in total, because this is four for sixty million. So yeah, these are small time signings. Yeah, average per year, uh two point two, two point six, one point one. But they 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 lost a lot of guys. And a lot of this is ticky tack stuff, but Trey Hendrickson is not ticky tack. That man left New Orleans, went to Cincinnati, and got a fifteen million dollar per year deal. He had fourteen sacks last year, fifty pressures on three hundred and eighty four attempts. You know, Sheldon Rankins was a first-round pick by New Orleans. He's only 26 years old. they got to let him go. And the reason I'm going over this, as I said, New Orleans was about $60 million in the hole. We're about to be this team next year. So I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting. And again, I know there's a lot of people that get mad when I start talking about Rodgers possibly leaving. I think some people are a little bit more in that camp now than I was. I think a lot of the the people that are worried about the cap um, – have kind of passed me. I've always been in the camp of we should be open-minded to this. He's getting older. New regimes always want their new team. You want to rebuild. They always want their new quarterback. That's just the way it goes. The cap situation is another thing. Sorry, I'm a little sick, so I'm sounding weird. And we drafted a replacement. But again, nothing is set in stone. But it is, nothing is for sure. And, And this is the problem. Everybody needs like a definitive black and white. Nobody can just sit and wait. Which is why I think everybody's just wrong. And by everybody, I'm exaggerating. But unless your opinion is we have to wait and see, um, I don't know. But the, I, I think the the other important thing is 2021 is important for a lot of guys. And it's it's an unusual situation because usually if you're a veteran and you're very, very good at what you do, your job is secure. That was the, the bigger problem with uh, Mike McCarthy's teams down the stretch is as long as you were a vet- veteran and, you know, you played, you, didn't, you weren't going anywhere. There was no accountability. We're on the opposite end of the spectrum now. There's, there's hyper accountability because we can't keep you all. In a sense, our team is too good. And, and not all of it can be attributed to free agency, right? It's not all, well, we were reckless in free agency. No, it just worked out too well. Corey Lindsley became the best center in football. Aaron Jones became uncuttable or un-let-him-go-able. Devontae became the best wide receiver in football. Aaron Rodgers once again became the MVP the Packers are setting themselves up in a position where we can't afford to keep all these guys. I spent all of last year talking about, man, we've got number ones everywhere. We now have the number one corner in football. I mean, it's getting to the point where it's like, dude, this is too much. This is, we have too many really good players. This is too much because nobody can afford to pay all these number one guys. And even if you're, it doesn't have to be number one, number two, three, four, five, we just happen. They just happen to be number ones. Not to mention, we're, we're coming into territory of possibly having the best safety duo in football. I mean, if Savage keeps growing, and if, if uh, Amos can do what he did last year for an entire season, he's the number one safety in football, hands down. The, the, the real struggle here is we need to win. And again, I don't know what to do about this because it's not a talent issue. We are so talented, we have to start trading away or cutting top 10 prospects, top 10 players. Because we have too much talent on our team. Talent is not an issue. And I've said this a thousand times. It's not about we need to go into free agency. We need to go into the draft. That's nonsense. We have more talent than any team in the NFL by kind of a lot. Yes, that includes Tampa Bay. Better wide receivers, better quarterback, arguably better offensive line, by far better running backs, better safeties, better corners. The only thing they got going for them is linebacker and defensive line, maybe. And again, their defensive line was more productive, but come on, man. If you were to just put these guys, if you were to dissolve the Packers and 
Tampa Bay, which players do you think go for more money? I'd be willing to bet the Packers' defensive line, including pass rushers and defensive tackles, earn more money than Tampa Bay does. If we were to put it to that metric, you really think Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaquille Barrett and those guys are going to make more money than Zadarius Smith, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, and Preston Smith? I don't think so. Half of those guys are 50 years old. In almost every facet outside of linebacker, the Packers are better than Tampa Bay. Well, then why didn't they win? I don't know, man. I guess because talent isn't static. It's not like Madden where if you're a 99, you're a 99 every day. As I've said, everybody has bad days. Pick any player and I'll tell you that you can, you can point out when they were terrible. Tom Brady graded in the 50s twice. Week 11 against uh, Los Angeles, the Chargers. Week 9 against the Saints. He still ended the season with a 93 overall. Doesn't make sense to say he's trash because he played bad against the Saints. How can both things be true? How can you be so terrible but yet be one of the best in football? That's the case with the Packers. How can you claim they're the best in football but they were bad that day? It's just a reality. I'm looking at the team through the context of the entirety of the year. That doesn't mean they don't have bad days. Why do they keep having bad days against at the most important moments in 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 the sport? I don't know. As I've said before, part of it is bad luck. There have been t- one team in each of the last two years that the Packers just couldn't beat. And those exact teams are the ones that ended up playing them in the NFC North. Why do I keep saying that? The NFC Championship. I'm just going to punch myself right in the face. I'm so sick of saying that. I mean, legitimately, if it was any other team, do you think we lose? Literally any other NFC team. And I, I said it before. I think the Packers beat the Chiefs. Tampa Bay was the only team that just seemed like, I don't know. I thought it would be different at, at the time. And then you watch it and it's like, no, it's, it's just, again, it's, they can't beat Tampa. And I don't know why. The year prior was the same thing. They won some really, really good games, but something about San Francisco. And yeah, partially it's because they're very, very good, but it's not just because they're very, very good. There's something specific about this team. They're just not going to beat them. And so, like I said, if there's that one team that's just, they just get embarrassed, you better hope we don't either see them in the NFC Championship or the Super Bowl, depending on if it's an AFC or NFC team, because we're just going to lose. I shouldn't say that. I'm going to give Matt LaFleur the opportunity to prove that he has the ability to coach his team and get them prepared for football games and whatnot. Anyways, we're going down some rabbit holes here. Don't even know how we got here. But anyways, um, there were a couple points that are being brought up. Um, I just want to go through three of them. Who wrote this? This is Cheesehead TV. It says Bruce Irons. He brought up a couple points about Devontae. So we'll, we'll go over these three reasons why some people are kind of getting into this uh, Devontae thing, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get off the, t- the topic here. So number two, we'll just skip around. He says, cap crunch, we kind of covered that. It is an issue. Um, I think Devontae is low on the list of, of remedies. I mean, it's a massive admission of defeat because this is something you just don't do. You do not cut Devontae Adams. You could, you could try to say that about Aaron Rodgers, but that's not necessarily true. It's kind of uncharted territory, but moving on from a 40-year-old quarterback when you just drafted a young aspiring quarterback in the first round is kind of the normal thing to do. It's just usually you don't have elite 40-year-olds and it kind of gets confusing or whatever, but it's not uncharted territory. Moving on from Devontae just because we have no money, that's just a thing that doesn't generally happen. But yes, that's one of the things. 
Point three is it's a deep, deep wide receiver class. Um, again, that's kind of the wait and see thing. The, the biggest problem I have is what are the odds we're going to actually see? And and not only see, but see a guy that's good enough that we can say, ah, we don't need Devontae. Again, I had to rewind and go to Justin Jefferson because that's one of the only examples I can think of like ever. Maybe like Randy Moss or something. Um, guys that are so good that you can say, I don't need Devontae. That's just crazy. Justin Jefferson had a 90 overall grade. The next best was Brandon Ayuk with an 80 overall grade. He only played 12 games. After that was T. Higgins. He had a 75 overall grade. So it just drops pretty quickly. I mean, it's it's a incredibly talented group. I mean, the fact is there are 10 guys that had a 70 overall receiving grade. Denzel Mims was 10th, tied with DeMichael Harris. Colin Johnson was 9th. LaVisca Chenault, 8th. CeeDee Lamb, 7th. Donovan Peoples-Jones, 6th. Tyree Cleveland, 5th. Chase Claypool, 4th. T. Higgins, 3rd. Brandon Ayuk, 2nd. Justin Jefferson, 1st. Jerry Judy was 20th, by the way. Henry Ruggs was 34th. So, again, the draft is weird, man. We just assume you know... And then the like the top two guys are not even very good. Henry Ruggs was one of the worst. I, I can't, as much as I was kind of getting braggy yesterday about how good I've been, K.J. Hamler was 35th. I still think he's going to turn it around. But, um, you know, again, that, that was one of, one, one of them where I said I, I kind of get it, but uh, I still like him. And his drops are out of control, which I guess was an issue that he had in college, too, that I was just kind of ignoring. But, man, he's just... I don't care. I still want him. I think the Packers should just get him. Just be like, dude, this guy sucks. You should just let us have him. So shifty. And that's also not a terrible point. I want to get back to the article and whatnot, but since I was on this kick yesterday, we might as well look at the wide receivers because a lot of people will say, yeah, but look at all the wide receivers and all that kind of stuff. That's fine, but that's out of 41 that got drafted. It was a very deep class. It's not just talented, it's deep. And the deeper it is, the more hits there's going to be. So that's 10 out of 40. So it's not true that if we had just drafted somebody, it would have fixed everything. Again, I really like Devin Duvernay, and apparently the Packers were very high on him or were about to pick him, um, but Baltimore swooped in a couple picks before we did. Devin Duvernay had a 60 overall grade. Not super spectacular. End of the season with like 200 yards and no touchdowns. Antonio Gandy-Golden was a fourth-round pick. He's like the worst. He's literally 41st out of 41. So, I mean, not. it's not just a matter of just do it and it fixes things. And this is this is a like historically good group to have 10 guys in a draft class step up as like legitimate wide receivers is remarkably rare. And that's still 31 out of 41. were not that good. Only one cracked a thousand yards. Um, 10 of them cracked 500 yards. Uh, let's see, five, six, seven had five or more touchdowns. Only nine of them played in all 16 games. So a- again, the point is, what are the odds we're going to draft a guy and say, yes, this guy is good enough to replace Devontae Adams? It's just, it's going to be iffy. I mean, it's it's going to be essentially what, what it will be when, if and when we let Rodgers go, which is to say, we're not going to see enough from Jordan Love to say he's good enough to move on from Rodgers. We're just not, because Jordan Love isn't good enough <laughs> to replace Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to be anywhere near his level, but that's not really going to be the question. Given everything else, given the contract, Given the age, given the luxury that it affords us to have Jordan Love, given the desire we have to just start fresh and move forward in a new direction, given all those additional factors, what do we want to do? Which is why I said Aaron Rodgers and and some other guys, Zadarius, have massive targets on their back, and they have to have massively good years in order to force the Packers to stay where they are and go, you know, we got to kind of uh, figure something else out because we can't. 
move on from Rodgers or we can't move on from Zadarius. We got to do something else. His number one point I just I don't really agree with, and that is they don't need him. And it's basically a scheme argument that, you know, he's as good as he is because of the scheme. And we can got to kind of just scheme anybody to, to, to be serviceable or whatever, which is just not true because that's why we have one receiver and basically nobody else. I mean, we like Lazard, but Lazard is, is not even really a very, very good number two. He's fine as a number two. But, I mean, the reason we're struggling to find like a legit weapon at number two is because we've had a billion wide receivers in that spot. And regardless of the scheme, none of them really dominate on a regular basis. Right, I mean, MVS had the second most yards at 690. But that's largely because he had 20.9 yards per reception. He had a 29 drop grade, 58 receiving grade. I mean, it just it wasn't that great. Alan Lazard didn't even get 500 yards. He's not a dominant wide receiver. Equinemius had 100 yards. Malik 66, Shepard 46, and Tavon 20. So no, it's not the scheme, and no, it's not Rodgers. Like a lot of other people want to say, oh, Rodgers makes anybody good. No, he doesn't. And Matt Lafleur doesn't make everybody good. There's a reason why, if we look at the grades, you have. 52, 57, 57, 60, 66, 71, and 92. They're not all like 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, and if they leave, they're just going to go and be great somewhere else. No, most of these guys are kind of just bad. And Devontae's the number one in football. Good receivers are good receivers, and bad receivers are bad receivers. And it's not just scheme. You can't just scheme guys. So I, that one, I'm just scrapping. I'm not buying that. It's the same argument you make for a running back, by the way. And if that was the case, which you could probably make a stronger argument for running back, we should not have brought back Aaron Jones. And I think you have a, a better argument for that. But but again, you see a difference between why is there a difference between Aaron Jones and Jamal if it's all just scheme? Because Aaron Jones is very, very, very good, and Jamal is just good. Anyways, um, going to take a break. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. It would be greatly appreciated. You can do so for as little as a dollar per month. Over the course of the year, it's going to cost you $12. It'll mean almost nothing to you, but considering the size of the audience, it's life-changing for me. So I would consider that you consider that. How's that for a sales pitch? Consider that just, you just, you know, it sounded good, and then you just ruined it at the end there. Way to go. Otherwise, again, head over to the Packernet uh, Podcast Facebook group over in the top right corner. There's an invite button. Invite all your Packer fan, friends, and family. It would be greatly appreciated. Um, I just found out you can invite people from the pages. So I invited about 650 people, and we got about eight new people in the group. So not a very high response rate on that, about 1.2% uh, on, uh, on those responses. So that's great. That's wonderful. Otherwise, five-star iTunes review or just word of mouth, man. Let people know about the podcast. Whatever you can do, greatly, greatly appreciate it. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So there's some more shocking breaking news by an unnamed source, some agent or whatever, via Rob Domofsky. So I guess we got to talk about it. One minute, the unnamed sources are saying we're going to cut Aaron Rodgers. The next minute, they're saying we're about to, I don't know, extend him or something. And to be fair, it's it's not as much Rob Domofsky as it is other people's interpretations of what Rob Domofsky said. I found an article, I think it was PFT, I don't know who it was. But they basically just said, I think the article said, if I, I don't know if I can even find it. Here's the one I found. It's NBC Sports. Unnamed agent says Packers are delaying free agent moves due to Aaron Rodgers' contract. Oh my goodness. Would you shut your horrific face? These pop-up videos. And not only is it a pop-up video, but you got what's-his-name PFT man talking to me. Go away. That should be illegal. These pop-up videos should be illegal. But here's the funny thing. So I'm looking at this. It says, unnamed agent says Packers are delaying free agent moves due to Aaron Rodgers' contract. Here's the quote, though. I read the article, like, what are you talking about? Here's the quote. Quote, this is from the agent, talking to Rob Domofsky. They've called me about one of my players, and they said, hey, this is where we are now, and until we get something big done, hint, hint, we don't have any space. Now, obviously, that's not a direct quote. Hey, this is where we are now. No, that's, that's him paraphrasing, and I think the hint, hint was him, you know, his emphasis added. So part of this is weird. Um, I'm trying to picture how this phone call goes. Packers are calling, let's just say about Richard Sherman. Let's just say that because that's already floating out there. So I'm calling and you're Richard Sherman's agent. I'm like, what's up, man? And you're like, hey, what? I'm like, so Richard, um, we want him. How much does he want? He wants, you know, 12 million a year. Wow. Cool, man. So here's the deal. We're broke and we don't have any money. And until we make some moves, there's nothing we can do. Oh, okay. Just letting you know. <laughs> what, what, what is the point of that phone call? You know what I mean? Like something about that seems like there's a, something's a little confused there. Now it's possible this was just sort of a, a check, just checking the market, seeing where he's at. And, and so when the agent comes back with, are you interested? They respond with, look, at this point, we can't until we get something big done. We just don't have any space right now. Which, by the way, this is, assuming this is a real conversation that actually took place, which is always possible that it's not, but I tend to think it probably is, I, you know, I don't know. It should be pretty definitive for all the Packer fans who just will not stop with, why won't they sign anybody? They don't have money. You should know that. They got $2 million. Who are you going to sign for $2 million? Nobody is the answer. 
well, there's guys getting signed for a million. We, we need more than $2 million, okay? We have to have more money than we already have now. We can't go negative. But the other part of this that's weird is they didn't say anything about whose contract. First of all, they didn't say they're about to do something big. They just said, until we get something big done, we don't have any space. Now, they seem to be um, implying that they're about to get something done, right? The, the implication here is, hey, I just want you to know we're interested and we're about to do something big, so just hang on. But that's not what it says. And again, all these stories are about trying to make massive stories so that I can make lots of big money and get my credibility up. And, you know, Rob Domofsky wants to be all over NBC Sports and everything else getting quoted as this great source by implying things that are making things bigger than they actually are. The Packers called about somebody and told them we don't have any money so we can't do anything. And we've somehow turned that into they're about to extend Aaron Rodgers. And again, maybe they are, or restructure Aaron Rodgers, or whatever. I don't know. But nothing in this article or this little blurb from some unnamed agent where we're playing telephone, where Rob Domofsky, where NBC Sports tells me what Rob Domofsky said about what some unnamed agent said about what Brian Gutekunst said. And apparently, after this game of telephone, we've got the Packers saying, we can't hire your agent because we don't have any money. And assuming they are going to get something done, and again, we still need more money, so something has to come, it doesn't have to be Rogers. It, it likely could be Rogers. It could also be a Devontae extension. Would that not also count as something big done? You think that's not going to be big and free up a bunch of money? Because it is. And again, what I, what I think is likely um, going on is, somebody had mentioned this, and I think it makes a lot of sense, the Packers would love to add some void years to Aaron Rodgers' contract, but apparently at that point it's considered... Um, kind of like an extension, and Aaron Rodgers needs to sign off on it. And I don't think he wants to, because it doesn't give him a ton of security. Depending on exactly how much it is, he wants to know that he's going to be the quarterback, and the Packers want to just like shift a little little bit of money over, um, but not so much that we can't cut you, because next year is still going to be ridiculous. So I don't know, man. I it, it, The point is, it doesn't change anything of where I'm already at. I think they'd like to do something with Aaron Rodgers. I just think they're at an impasse, because the Packers want to just shift some money but not enough that it puts them in a predicament to where they can't move on if they feel that that's the right thing to do. Aaron Rodgers isn't willing to entertain anything that doesn't give him more security. Both parties, again, just want security. That's what it's about. They don't want to be, the Packers don't want to be stuck in a situation in which we're way overpaying for somebody and can't move on. Rodgers doesn't want to be in a position where he feels like he's vulnerable and the Packers can just cut him whenever they feel like it. Every player wants security, but so do teams. Same is true with Devontae. Devontae, just give me the money, give me the extension, you know, and, and we're good. The Packers are like, well, it's got to be structured such a way because things are vulnerable and, you know, I don't know. And you know, what if you're not that good anymore? I don't know what to do. You know, it's just, it's much more, you got to be very precise about what it is you're doing. And so I, I, I've never had any doubt they're trying to get things done. They have to, as I've said. Now, I will say I was corrected on Twitter and they're absolutely correct. I, I Every year... The way my brain tends to work is that I'm pretty good at analyzing what's directly in front of me, and then I just dump it. The retention isn't there. I need all the energy of my brain to analyze exactly what's in front of me. I can't use any resources to retain information. It's a waste of space. Not saying I wouldn't change it if I had the, the, the ability, but that's just the way my brain sees things. So every year, I have to relearn everything. And so every year I forget details. Free agency is like the worst because it's like, you know, free agent, unrestricted free agent, restricted free agent, tenure, and just all these different things. Like, wait, what is that again? I don't remember how that works. One of the things I forgot is there's how much the draft class costs minus 
the uh, players that get bumped out of the top 51 because the salary cap implications are only, um, it only calculates your top 51 players. Everybody after that, it doesn't affect your salary cap. So if you bring in 10 new guys, then 10 guys are, 10 new guys are going to be outside of the top 51. So about the second half of the draft is like a wash because they're making about as much or more or less than uh, the guys at the bottom of the top 51 list. Which means if, if let's say, the guy at the bottom is making 750000 if we draft somebody making 750000 it doesn't change the calculation. And if you get drafted in the you know seventh round and you're making 400000 I don't know what the numbers are, I'm just making it up, you just go below that line and you never get accounted for. And then on top of that, let's say our first round pick is making $1.5 million. Again, making it up, I don't know. It's still $1.5 million minus the 750000 guy that's now getting kicked down into the top below the top 51 line. So it's now 750,000, right? Because it's 1.5 minus 750 is 750. So you have to deduct all that. So the actual number, I forget, I, I responded to him on Twitter and told him what that, I think it's like 3.5 million. So it's massively less than I was saying about 10 million. It's actually about 3.5 million, I think. So we don't need nearly as much as I thought, but again, we still need the 3.5, which we don't have. And you still want to have some money going into the regular season. So they got to do something. I know somebody had mentioned that they're going to wait until um, after the the draft to possibly move on from, I forget who it was, Lowry maybe? Because he's one of the guys that inexplicably they haven't really touched his contract. Now, it's one of those things too where you can still touch the contract, but it's a matter of do we want to restructure him or do we want to cut him? If we don't draft his replacement, we can restructure him and then we can, that we can be in a better situation. If we do draft a replacement, we can cut him and then we're in that better situation. But we just want to know which way we're going. Again, just keeping our options open. And at this point in time, anybody they're keeping their options open on, you got to be open to the idea that maybe they're leaving their options open. So Rodgers and Devontae and what is it Lowry? It's got to be Lowry. It's either Lowry or Lancaster, but I don't think Lancaster would be getting any money anyways. I don't know. Don't care enough to look it up. But but that's sort of the idea is after the draft, they may have more answers. And I know that's what people are saying about Devontae, but that, that doesn't make any sense because he's too good of a player. But it may impact some lower level guys, some guys that basically aren't great contributors as it is. And so as long as we have bodies that we drafted, you know, if we draft a defensive tackle in the second round, we might look at it and go, look, we don't know for sure that this guy's going to be better than Tyler Lancaster. But I do know that if we cut him, we can save a million dollars. So it's worth thought. Although, again, then somebody gets accelerated into that top 51, so it's $1.4 million in savings minus the new addition. So you don't save all that much, I guess. I don't know. But I, I kind of think we're in a holding pattern until the draft. At that point, we can reassess. It's not to say there's no way they're going to do something, but I kind of feel like that's where we're at. I, not to mention, I think, obviously, Russ Ball is still working on this stuff, but Brian Gutekunst, they're 100% into the draft right now. That's their number one concern. And so they're going to do what they're going to do, and then they can reevaluate and try to figure out what to do. But they've got to do something. And again, I don't know how long they have until they have to, to come to terms with these contracts. I know, you know, generally you, you find out about they reached an agreement on the contract or whatever. Usually it's the first round picks that take the longest. And I don't know why, because I thought these contracts were kind of set in stone, but they got to negotiate something. I don't know. So there is a, there is a window. But uh, they got to figure something out before they sign these guys, because we, at this point, I believe we'll be going negative if we sign everybody, you know, day one and don't do anything else. So there's something's going to happen. And again, I, I kind of think they're hoping that they can do something like cutting Lancaster or whoever. 
And again, I don't think that's enough, but something along those lines, uh, Dean Lowry, for example, you know, a post June one cut of Dean Lowry saves almost $5 million. But if you don't get a big defensive tackle, which is pretty likely because there aren't very many options, that's, that's probably not, um, you know, super great option. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not a great position to be in. But at the exact same time, please try to remember that it's not just bad because Brian Gutekunst is stupid and Russ Ball is stupid. That's not the case, right? They're, they're doing some things that I'm not a big fan of, but, but keep in mind, compare the Packers and the Bears are two separate situations. The Bears are in a terrible contract situation and don't have a good team. That's problematic. The Packers are in a bad contract situation because they have such a good team. It's because they're paying so much to so much elite talent. Right? There, there's actually a metric, I think Over the Cap does it, that shows talent to cap space as like a ratio. In other words, if you're this good, you should have this much money. And, and the better you are, the less money you're expected to have because you have to pay really good players. The less talent you have, the more money you should have. So there should be an almost inverse relationship. If you look at your cap space, you know, obviously rookies kind of throw that, you know, throw that off, especially if it's a rookie quarterback or whatever. But generally speaking, oh, the furnace kicked on. What's up with that, dude? It's supposed to be hot outside all day long. It's starting to get cold again. This is ridiculous. But anyways, I'm, 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 I, I just think there's people that that hate the draft or something. You know, most of us are trying to focus on the draft and stay focused on the draft. It's it's coming up very, very soon, very soon, and yet. Like 50% of Packers Twitter and Packers media and everything else, they only want to talk about stuff that has nothing to do with anything. We're talking about 2022 salary cap. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers restructure and Devontae getting cut and all these things. And it's like, there's no information. We don't know what's going to happen. The next thing that's going to happen is the NFL draft. Guys that are going to be on the Packers for the next three, four, five, ten years, if they're really good. Maybe the next Jair is coming to this team. The next Darnell Savage, the next Elton Jenkins, the next whatever. Do we want to even talk about that, or are we just going to sit here and talk about nonsense all day long? Because this is all silly. Yeah, I don't know, maybe, man. I Maybe Devontae gets cut, I don't know. Maybe Rodgers is getting traded next year or the year after. Yeah, it's crazy, man, I don't know. Salary cap's tough in 2022. Yeah, dude, it, it is. I'm sure it'll not be exactly what you're saying it is by the time 2022 rolls around because things are going to change starting after the draft. We're going to have to adjust those calculations starting in like a month and then, you know, regularly after that. But yeah, I mean, it's, n- it's something to look at. Uh, maybe after the draft, we could look at it. How about that? How about after the draft, we talk about Aaron Rodgers? How about after the draft, we talk about the... Why are some people so anti-draft? Maybe it's because they're burned out about everybody else talking about the draft, but it's kind of a big deal. It's a massive deal. And I understand not caring about the draft in like August because not everybody's like me looking at 2022 draft today. Like I'm literally putting more work into the 2022 draft right now than I am 2021 because I want to get a head start and be better in the 2022 draft than I am about the 2021 draft. I get that's not everybody, but even if you're kind of anti-draft, you got to let that go when it's officially draft season, and that's what it is right now. When you're within one month of the draft, we have to make that switch. I'm sorry. We just have to. I mean, we're, we're two weeks out. It's 17 days away. Two weeks until there is a new human being that's wearing a Green Bay Packers uniform, a first-round prospect, unless we trade out, whatever. Then it's 18 days. And it's, it's weird to be anti-draft for the same people that are so excited that we drafted Elton Jenkins and, and Jair. And it's like, those guys aren't here if it's not for the draft. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, that's, that's how they got here. That's, that's how guys like Aaron Rodgers get here. It's the, it's the draft. So how about in like three weeks, 
we start talking, well, no, because I still want to talk about our prospects. Let's say in like a month, we could maybe revisit this silliness. Okay, Rob, so can we keep our unnamed sources to ourselves for a while? Because I don't care. I don't care about nothing unnamed sources, unless you want to give me an unnamed source that flat out says, the Packers told me they're about to restructure Aaron Rodgers this week. All right, tell me that one. The Packers called me and said, we can't do anything because we don't have any money. That is useless. And I'm talking about it, not because that's what's being said, but because what's being told to you, to everybody else out there, is that there's an unnamed source, that, that an agent, they don't say unnamed source because then people tune it out. We got to make it real salacious. NFL agent says the Packers are about to restructure Aaron Rodgers or whatever, which Aaron Rodgers' name never even came up, but you know, whatever. Anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.